0: Hi, I'm Caitlin. Welcome to Better Words. Hi, Michelle. Hi,
1: Caitlin. How are you?
0: I am doing fabulously. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think being the key, the key word in that sentence. Yeah. Well, what about you? You
1: guys would be like going into spring, summer. You must be like, it's like your favourite season, isn't it?
0: Oh. I am loving it. Oh, my God. I haven't worn, because, like, I'd when I moved here, I was wearing, like, my coat, and then I downgraded to my leather jacket. In the past couple of days, I haven't, like, worn any outerwear. Oh. Like, for, like, for, like, a week, maybe, I've been mm-hmm. without outerwear. <laughs> like, I just, and it seems strange, but now I'm, like, I don't need outerwear. And I'm like, Caitlin, why is this strange? I never used to wear outerwear ever. But I've just gotten so used to it already.
1: I know. It was only stuff that I would wear in the office with the air conditioning on.
0: Yeah, exactly. Mm. Like maybe on like a cold morning if I was going to work early. Yeah. And have like a Cardi on. But that was it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Meanwhile, how much out are you wearing these days?
1: Well, um, we just did, like, a bulk shop for winter stuff. Um, oh, yeah. Because, yeah, we had to dip into our savings and stuff to do it, but, like, basically we realised we have, like, no warm clothes. It's very cold. Um, yeah. Well, it's not very cold because I know it's going to get worse, but um, it's quite frosty. It's getting frosty in the morning now.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: And so, yes, we've invested in some more thermals. And um, I do have coats and stuff, but I've realised I need to buy a longer coat for winter because my, like, knee-length ones just um, aren't going to cut it after about, like, December, I don't think. So um, you'll have,
0: like, like a really, really long coat?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. I'm going to have to. It's, it's so cold um yeah the there heating is on every day um and yeah I've bought a bunch of jumpers and stuff so yes that will be me in like six months being like oh no no not even a light jacket
0: oh, <laughs> not, <laughs> oh not, not even just what like a like. not even just like a simple cardi I not know. even a cardi but it's feeling very festive oh good I'm very ready for it to feel festive but it is funny because I do think once it starts to now that it is warmer and I'm like remembering that it's the end of October I'm like yay Christmas <laughs> <It's almost laughs> there's here. something on
1: Halloween here like I seriously should I get a pumpkin today to carve because yes. they have them in like Tesco should we carve yes. pumpkins Yes. yes. Okay. I have been thinking about it. And then Jack was like, are you going to actually use the pumpkin? I was like, I don't know. I just want to decorate
0: it. <laughs> Do it.
1: Okay. So I'll get a I pumpkin. I need to see it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's getting very dark very early. The clocks went back. Um, so now it's, like, fully dark by, like, 5.30. Um, and that's apparently only going to get worse. Um. So I'm very much, like, got my candles set up. I need to I need to buy more candles, um, which is actually quite – is quite cosy and nice. Like, you know, we just turn off all the lights and watch a movie and stuff, and I'm trying we to just, embrace that side of things rather than feeling sad that it's yeah. darker earlier.
0: I just love the sound of this. I think I'm going to need to come visit you this time next year.
1: Yes, you have to. And we can go to, like – I haven't seen any yet they're not on yet but we have been told to go to you as many Christmas markets as possible because the food is amazing and cool. like mulled wine and amazing food and stuff so we'll try and go to some Christmas markets and and things like that um that would be amazing yes I think you need to make that happen because you love Christmas anyway
0: I do Love it, but I'm going to make gonna make so you feel so festive. Cope
1: with being away from your family. But what are you doing this year now that you don't live? you're going back home.
0: I'm going home for Christmas, yeah, yeah. flying in on Christmas Eve like a real oh. out-of towner. <laughs> oh. It's like the start of an American movie. It is. Oh. It is. Um, so, what have you been reading lately, Michelle? Anything well, that matches the mood? Um,
1: nothing that matches the mood yet. Um, I'm not one for Christmas reads. Usually we'll see how we go this year, but I have so many other books to read anyway that I think I'll just power through with what I've got. Um, I've been reading a really, really, really good book. Um, so I've spoken before about Emma Gannon and her podcast control alt delete. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: so obviously I read her book of the same name, loved it. I'm now reading her second book, The Multi-Hyphen Method. And that's all about how to, like, juggle your side hustles and things and why we should reframe the way that we work um, to sort of make it work for us. I actually ah. think you really enjoy it because you don't have to be – like whole. It's not aimed at just freelancers or just people who have a full-time job and do side hustles. It's really for both and it's, like, the idea of – making your career fit around you and how having those multiple hyphens in your career can add to each element of whatever you do. So um, for example, like you obviously in getting a job with Harp Collins, it was probably appealing that you had all this like experience and knowledge with this podcast and the book industry and stuff. So It's sort of how you can play to your strengths in each of your different hyphens and how you can make that work to create a life that works for you.
0: I love that. I do love
1: the sound of that. It's really good. And it's just interesting to hear she's done like research and stuff and talks about, you know, how the working day is really um, has been set for like back in the past when Factory workers needed light and stuff, so it sort of gets you questioning why we're still in that routine, um, and also like how you can start to understand like your body um, and which times you work best. So, for example, you, my dear, are not a morning person. Um, so thank you, you know, for saying like that so like kindly. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is about understanding like what works for you and what things also like what your version of success is like. I think that's the bit that has really stayed with me the whole time is like working out what success actually means to you and getting rid of these notions of like success as we see it, like on Instagram or just what we're socially conditioned to think of as success. It's, it's really interesting and definitely like one for the millennial slash whatever generation, whatever. Um one for people our age anyway. Um it's really interesting.
0: Cool. Well my recent read has not been nearly as profound, but <laughs> probably just as fun. Um on the weekend I read an entire Murray McFarlane novel in yes. two sittings on Saturday yes. morning and then on Sunday morning. Um, which one was it it's actually the new one that is (gasps) not available to no (laughs) no. yeah so sorry Michelle you will have to wait um but I read it (gasps) first um yes no but strong recommendation for everyone who loves Mari loves like Cecilia Ahern these like sort of smart fun romance rom-com contemporary novels the premise of this one which is called if i never met you is about um the main character oh her boyfriend of like 18 years breaks up with her and she's just like completely lost and ends up starting an office showmance with one of her co-workers (laughs) Um, to try and help him get a promotion and to make her ex jealous. And I mean, if that doesn't sell you, it's so fun. Who doesn't love a fake relationship trope? It's great. Yeah. It's like yep. a grown up it's almost like a grown up at like well, a grown up version. It's adults instead of teenagers. But like the to all the boys I've loved before. Yeah. That was like a <laughs> fake relationship. Yeah. It's fun. I love that. It was so yep. fun. And Yeah, it was so nice. I had such a lazy weekend and I just, like, sat still, some tea and some breakfast and just, like, read half the book on Saturday and half of it and finished it on Sunday. It was great. That sounds perfect. Yeah. My other new favourite fun thing is (laughs) the Office Ladies podcast hosted – By Jenna Fisher and Angela Kingsley. And I'm just going to double check that I said the right names because half of the cast of The Office had the same names (laughs) as their, like, actual names. Um, (laughs) Jenna and Angela. Anyway, so they played Angela, played Angela, and Jenna played Pam on the US version of The Office Nine seasons, and they are best friends in real life. And they started a rewatch podcast where they oh are like goodness. watching all the episodes together and then sharing like little fun facts and behind the scenes <sighs> stories and taking fan questions and everything, and it's just so fun, and it's it's quite um they're only like two episodes in <laughs> to season one. Of a nine-season show. So we'll see if I don't – I doubt that I will be able to commit to this podcast for nine seasons, but who knows? I'll give it a go.
1: Oh, my God. That does sound good. That sounds like something you – I know you would love that.
0: I love it. I mean, if anyone looks through my podcast feed, it is behind-the-scenes stuff, celebrity things. I just – pop culture things. I'm just obsessed with all things pop culture, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what have you well, been listening I've been, to? <laughs> I've
1: been listening to a um, a new podcast as well, but it's actually, it's kind of weird, but it's my, like, going to sleep podcast. Oh, okay. Um,
0: yeah, so I... Can I assume it's not a true crime one then? Yes, you can. That okay, is, good.
1: correct. That is correct. Um, so it, like, has to be... <sighs> not too stimulating, um, obviously, not scary, Um, not something that I want to seriously, like, get advice from. And so this new podcast I found sort of fits the bill, but it's really engaging and and really quite funny, and I think you would enjoy it too. It's called You're Dead to Me, and it's by the BBC, and it's a history podcast, but it's the host – and then he mm-hmm. has, like, he has a comedian, a different comedian each time, British, so, like, some of them I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then he has an actual, like, historian with him. Um, so they do, like, a thing at the start where it's, like, oh, um, oh, I think it's, like, called, like, What Do You Know? And it's, like, these are the things you might assume about this. So they had one about, like, um, I just listened to the one about Blackbeard. Is
0: right. His name is? Or, or, yeah, the pirate like, guy. Like a pirate,
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah, so let me just look it up. I just suddenly, as I said it, I was like, shit, is that his name? Um. Yeah, so I just listened to the one about Blackbeard and they were talking about, like, this is what you might think about pirates and this is, and, you know, so it's, like, all about all those tropes of pirates and then they basically break it all down and tell you where that, that came from and then at the end he, like – quizzes the comedian on like things that they've learned but I usually oh. miss that bit because I'm asleep by then um but they're, <laughs> it's about 50 minutes so you usually I'll listen to one put a timer on for say like 10 minutes or whatever and then like I'll listen to the same one over a few nights um because
0: okay. there's always like
1: a little bit of crossover where I'm like I might put I like take it back a bit and then be like, oh, yeah, I sort of heard that bit, but it's okay, I can keep listening. But it's, like, light enough and fun enough that it doesn't put me to sleep immediately, so do actually learn something. Um, But, yeah, it's quite – because I found lately that my mind has been racing a lot and it's been really hard to to settle down. I think I've just – you know, when you just get anxious, like, not in a bad way, but you're like, I've got stuff to do and I want to do it, and then your mind's just, like, you're going over all the things you need to do.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I've just been like that lately. Like, whenever I, it gets to a certain point at night and I'm, like, I'm really tired. But my brain's, like, you could do work now. and like, is, like, thinking of all these things I could be doing. So um, I found it really good to, like, calm that down. And I'm learning lots. Yeah.
0: Good. What a fun little educational activity.
1: I know it is, but it because like because they've got a comedian and stuff on there, it is funny and it is told in a way like I think it would be quite you could probably like kids and stuff could probably listen to it and like it's very but then the historian is there to actually give you proper facts yeah, as fact well. Check. Yeah, 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 It's it's really good. So it's like teaching the comedian sort of.
0: Yeah, it's fun. Oh, that is fun. Mm. All right, it's really... <laughs> now time for a quick mention of yes. both of our combined favourite fun thing. So we did promise that we would talk about this and yeah. we've actually done it. I'm so proud yeah. of us. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Last week we were like, yeah, you loved The Bold Type, I love Younger, and now look at us, we've done so well and we've actually watched it, <laughs> started watching yeah. these shows, recommended by the other. You've like yeah. nearly blitzed through the whole series. Yeah, I couldn't help myself. He Honestly, really good. I also started like immediately. You only started younger on the weekend, not two weeks ago. Yeah. Like I did.
1: <laughs> yes, but even then I did get through like six episodes in one morning before Jack woke up. So yeah.
0: Yeah. It's so fun. How much do you it's love? Really Sutton? Good. Don't you just I love Sutton
1: and Richard are my favourites. And I just, oh.
0: oh. I love them so much. Yeah, I love
1: them. Yeah, no, but all the girls, like I find it hard though because I love all the girls and I love Jacqueline as well. Um, Mm. Yeah, we're talking about the bold type here. If
0: anyone's
1: like, which one are they talking about? Yes, sorry. So the bold type is we were just having a discussion about it before because we couldn't help ourselves and we decided
0: it's like the,
1: like, more woke, feminist, millennial version of Sex and the City for younger women.
0: Yeah, because all the main characters are, well, the three main characters are in, like, their mid-20s, whereas in Sex and the City we started off in their mid-30s. Yeah.
1: So it just feels like slightly more us. Yeah. And they're dealing with, like, things that we're dealing with as well.
0: Oh. <gasps> yeah like it's so it's so funny because like we've watched episodes and been like oh my god you know these characters are like 25 and living in New York and work in magazines and everything and it's like okay we are around those ages both work in the media so like there's obvious similarities already but then even like with the tiniest little things I'm like oh my god that's so Michelle and I'm sure you watched it and were like ah Caitlin (laughs) (laughs) but
1: even like I love it when Jane does like go freelance for a bit I was like ah feels (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah no it's very it's very good and um I really enjoy younger I can tell like it's definitely like going to be an escape show for me um Mm. and I'm I'm very much enjoying it. Yes, it is slightly unrealistic, but it's also really fun. And so I don't mind at all.
0: It's so fun and has some really great characters. Like, I can't wait for you to get to know them all a little bit better and, like, get a bit further into the show because, like, I mean, you I feel like you are hooked from the first couple of episodes. Yes. But I'll but, oh, wait till you get to know them a bit better. It just gets so good. <laughs>
1: And a quick side mention, too, to um, The Good Place. Have you been watching the new season? Yes. So I clever. caught up on all of it. Like, I watched, like, all the episodes that were out all in one go. Wow. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I know.
1: Um, so I think watched, like, what's it, like five episodes of season? Yes. yeah but it's easy to do because like just all leads on from one another and they're all sort of cliffhangers as well so and it's only like 20 minutes so it just feels too short yeah very good I'm enjoying it um
0: I am sad of last
1: season but I kind of like that they're taking it back and sort of ending it on their terms
0: yeah me too
1: rather than, like, either taking it on too long to the point where we're all like,
0: oh, come
1: on, or, you know. I know, because,
0: honestly, like, it's already, like, I don't know, if the show ended um, perhaps differently, considering season three finale set up for season four, but if the show was two or three seasons long, I feel like I would be just as happy, and it kind of makes me really interested to know that, all four seasons were planned from the beginning. So, like, what's going to happen from here? Yeah. In the
1: remainder yeah. whereas, of like, the final I, season. Whereas I'm really, really disappointed that they cancelled Santa Clarita Diet because there was still more. I know. It doesn't feel finished. It
0: whereas doesn't. I like
1: that they, they've been like, this was always our plan. It doesn't matter how successful it gets. This is what we're doing. I really like that.
0: Yeah. I want Santa Clarita Diet to come back.
1: Yeah, I want Santa Clarita Diet to come back as well. Um, we've also been catching up on Brooklyn Nine-Nine Season 6 as well. So I'll keep you posted on that. Awesome. Love, love the Nine-Nine.
0: <laughs> Who oh, doesn't?
1: <laughs> oh. Anyway, we are both so excited about this week's episode because this yes. is a book that,
0: oh, oh my God. so Just good. We love it so
1: much.
0: The we whole love, interview love, love, is
1: love. us gushing about how much we love the book it pretty so much is
0: I know we, we've up. said that before but none like this like we are absolutely discussing about the book the entire time yeah yeah and <laughs> I'm very so good.
1: excited for it to come out in England so that I can push it all onto all of my English friends
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah it's going to be really great so without further ado let's get on with the interview
1: we're thrilled to welcome a guest whose debut young adult novel seems to have been the talk of the Australian Bookstagram community for the past few months. Our guest has worked in the book industry for over a decade, including with Melbourne's iconic Readings Bookshop. Her debut, It Sounded Better In My Head, won the 2018 Text Prize and was published in Australia
2: in August.
1: It's out in the US and in the UK in early 2020.
0: Welcome to Better Words, Nina Kenwood.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. We both just adored the book, as we just told you. So we're so excited. Um, (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) um, So for people who have not yet had the pleasure of reading It Sounded Better in My Head, we're just going to do a quick little rundown. So the main character, Natalie, is 18 and she's just finished year 12. She's waiting to find out if she's been accepted into the uni Um, and course that she wants Um, she's very self-conscious and anxious about some acne scarring and has been a bit of an anxious mess at some times especially and at the very beginning of the book her parents very calmly announce that they are separating and she starts to think she might have feelings for her best friend's brother which is just so lovely <laughs> I just
1: love it it's I mean, such you know, a it's such it's a good so fun. setting for <laughs> angst <laughs> it is so Nina let's start with the basics then why did you want to tell this story
2: um well I was You know, I've been writing for a long time um, in my spare time and I sort of chronically would start a book and get to about 20,000, 30,000 words and give up. So I have about 15 abandoned manuscripts, I think, on my computer. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I'm sure something that a lot of other writers can relate to as well. (laughs) Yeah. It's that you get to the hard point, and then you think of a shiny new idea, and then you want to run off and work on that, um, which is normally a, a terrible thing to do. Um, but in this case, I was working on a kind of serious book, and it wasn't it wasn't working. And one day I woke up, and I just kind of found Natalie's voice, and I thought, oh, you know, doing what I'd done a million times before. Um, I want to go write this shiny, new, exciting thing, This I want to write this YA rom-com and I had Natalie's voice and I started writing and I just really found the voice and um, I worked up the first four chapters and I gave them to my writing group, which is two other writers, and they were like, this is the book you should work on and I, I stayed with it this time. So, um, and, yeah, I finished, I finally finished something. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounded better is a pretty uplifting book. Um, but if there's, I guess if we can identify a villain in the plot, it's you know our everyone's own personal vulnerabilities and doubts. So Natalie is specifically self-conscious about her acne, and we both thought the feelings you explore in the book about that could really easily translate to any reader's own personal you know thing that they're self-conscious about um is that yeah. something that you set out to intentionally do um not, I sort
2: of look I had bad skin when I was a teenager so uh, all mm. of that is very much drawn on my own experience and I feel like there is a kind of really specific trauma to having um, bad skin that you need to almost have experience to be able to write about. But at the same time, like you said, you can take that feeling and apply it to any kind of um, insecurity, especially bodily insecurity. And I was, I, I did want to explore bodily kind of insecurities around various things around your body and what it means to feel really uncomfortable in your own skin, um, and that was something I felt like I really wanted to dig into um, in the book. Uh, so that was sort of was focused, focus, but it, it kind of came out naturally as I guess I, I didn't plan it that way, but once I started digging into that area, I just wanted to write more and more about it.
0: Yeah, and we both really enjoyed, well, I don't know, if, every time I say enjoyed, I'm like, oh, is that the right word? Um, but we both really <laughs> related to some of those parts of the book. Um, like I know for me, I was like reading passages and how Natalie's talking about how she looks at other people's skin and like it's first thing she notices about people and all I was thinking is, that is what I was like with my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so. Right.
1: And I thought yeah. that's what I was like with my weight. Like I yeah. just. I remember being so shocked, a bit like um, Natalie with her best friend Lucy. Um, I remember being so shocked when one of my friends who was like quite slim and had what I – I was just like, oh, my God, I wish I could have your body. She was like, oh, you know, I'm so – I don't want to wear a dress like this because it shows off this part of my arm or whatever. And I was like, oh, my God, why? Like if I had your body, I would would not be – you know, I would have no insecurities if I looked like that. And I just, I think I was like about sixteen or seventeen, and I just was like, oh my god, like that was the first time I thought other people have these, these really insecurities. Yeah, like it yeah. doesn't matter that their body is perfect to me; they yeah. have these feelings. And I think you discuss that really well in a gentle way. It's not, it's not preachy at all. Like we're we're making it sound like <laughs> like a sort of manifesto, but it's so gentle the way you do it that.
2: I think it's just a, a really kind book. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's sort of like well, we like I describe it as a rom com or a coming of age. But actually, for me, what the book is about is um, fear of vulnerability and that feeling of being really vulnerable, and especially when you're a teenager and then you having to um, expose yourself for the first time in, which is sort of why it's about a romantic relationship because that's making Natalie sort of face her greatest fears which is you know having to um, be vulnerable with her feelings and having to be vulnerable with her body and that's sort of what comes when you're a teenager and you're entering into your first kind of relationship you have to deal with all these vulnerabilities for the first time and also discovering oh my gosh other people feel vulnerable about other things that I've not even thought about so yeah. That to me is the core of the book and what I was trying to explore. Absolutely. And also, can I just say as
1: someone who's like in a long-term relationship now, the thought of having to go back and be vulnerable with someone new, I'm like, oh my God, I right. never <laughs> want to date ever again. <laughs> like that was just, so even though like, cause I haven't had, you know, my partner now is my first long-term relationship. So even though I'm obviously much older than Natalie, I really related to that because I was like, "Oh, I still remember feeling so anxious about this." And yeah, it's so it scary. Is,
2: yeah, yeah it's the first so time scary. or and, and, and every time, like, and it's not even with romantic relationships. It's also with friendships. Like, mm. putting yourself out there and wanting to be friends with someone can be scary. Any kind of emotional vulnerability is terrifying, and um. Yeah, that's sort of what I I wanted to get to at the core of the book. Absolutely. So one of the other
1: things um, that we both related to or enjoyed about um, about the story was that Natalie Zach and Lucy are all in that age. Um, so they're they're only they're only eighteen, but it's that period after high school before university um, or whatever post school path you're going to take. And that still seems to be a bit underrepresented in YA. Like it still seems to be either um, still in high school or maybe books that are a, a bit older. So why mm. did you want to focus on those
2: few months in particular? Because um, it's – I wanted to capture that time when you're really – like Natalie is 18, technically you're an adult, um, You're but you don't feel like an adult at all and you're on the cusp of – Everything in your life is about to change, but you don't know what uni you've gotten into yet, so the future is really murky and it's I guess it's that unique kind of time in limbo over that summer I remember between high school and university where you haven't taken that step forward into your new life yet and you don't know what it's going to look like and it can be a really scary time Um, and I just thought it was the perfect time to write about the stuff that I wanted to write about.
0: Yeah, I think it is. And it's, I have to say, like extra bonus points, because this is an Australian novel, we get like the summer Christmas and they go away Mm -hmm. at New Year's. And (laughs) I love that because, you know, I guess, I don't know, maybe the, the summer before the last year of high school, the summer before college or whatever in American things is like, You know, they have the 4th of July and it's like before everyone moves across the country. (laughs) It's just a bit different here. And because you then have like the last Christmas with your family, Mm. I don't know, there's more things there I think that you you only get in Australia because that's when our summer is.
1: And the whole like new year, new start, but like obviously in the Northern Hemisphere, like people are starting university now, so they'll be in the midst of of that like September is new school year mm. in the mm. UK which is still weird to me everyone was like oh new school <laughs> vibes I'm like what the hell is wrong with you people <laughs> it's
0: not January well,
1: yeah yeah, so, yeah January you have like Australia Day and everything and then yeah, yeah
2: it's, it's so it's new Australia, year everything's starting yeah
1: yeah it's it's wonderful and you know like I, I feel like a lot of families probably that last Christmas is like they get you stuff for university for Christmas like yes. I don't know my like because I was moving away my dad got me like you know sheet sets and all that sort of stuff like home stuff for Christmas yes
2: <laughs> uh,
1: it's just yeah look we love an Aussie Christmas novel even though it's not a Christmas novel but
0: An Aussie summer Christmas novel because it's all in one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah, we just love that. Um, So without talking about any spoilers, we do want to mention the ending. So Mm. it's a pretty realistic conclusion to the whole um, journey, I guess, or the start of the journey. Um, And it leaves things quite hopeful So how important was it for you to hit the right note there? And, you know, what message do you hope readers take from the ending?
2: Um, Well, I think especially with a lot of YA, I mean, you don't have to, but it is nice to have a positive ending. Um, Yeah. As I think you sort of mentioned before, there is no villainous character or anything. I sort of, when I finished writing it, I was like, oh, God, there's no villain. Is there even a plot? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> so maybe, maybe I sort of when I first started talking about it, people would say, "What is this about? What's to book about?" And I would say, um, "It's about nothing. Nothing happens." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, I've got, I've got to change the pitch." Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I the ending well, it was important to have yeah a note of things being hopeful, but also capture that feeling of okay, she's stepped into the new life and things aren't going to be perfect but she's a little bit um she's grown a little bit and she's a little bit better equipped to deal with what's coming next but she's still going to be completely neurotic and she's still got a lot of anxieties and it's, you know things have not magically been fixed in her life um but <laughs> she's sort of be she's taking a next step I wanted that feeling of, okay, she's off into the world and she's hopefully going to be okay. Yeah. This is like a random
1: bonus question I've just thought of. But <laughs> like, would you ever write maybe about adult Natalie, like maybe 10 years down the track, an adult novel um, where, yeah, we're a decade on? We find out how she's going
2: because I really like Natalie I want to know that she's like <laughs> well I, look I haven't thought about I've thought about writing an adult novel um but I hadn't thought about writing an adult Natalie although in my mind I sort of had this idea of what was going to happen to her over the next 10 years which is kind of weird but I just sort of thought oh yeah this is this is where she'll go and maybe this is what will happen but um Maybe
1: I should write it. I think you should. Um,
2: (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah.
1: Great. (laughs) Thank you. I would love to, like, look, you've got at least one reader there. Uh, (laughs) Make it two. Yeah. I'll read it. (laughs) And you know what? I actually think that most of Bookstagram who people have loved this book, I'm pretty sure that they'd all be wanting to know what happens to Natalie as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, as we mentioned, obviously, it has been a very popular debut, um, and partly that's because that you won the 2018 Text Prize. So, for people who aren't familiar, the Text Prize is a very prestigious award for an unpublished manuscript in Australia um, by text publishing. Um, and basically you get your publishing contract and a $10,000 advance. I nearly said pound because mm-hmm. I'm so ingrained in British life <laughs> now. Um, so why did you decide to enter? Like at what point in the writing process did you decide to enter and how did you feel throughout the various stages getting up to the announcement itself?
0: Yeah, tell um, I, the whole story. <laughs> I,
2: well, I had followed the text prize from its very beginning, which was I think – I won it in the 11th year so I'd been following it for like 11 years Um, and I was always, most of the books I was trying to write were YA and so I always had the text prize in mind and also the Ampersand Prize which is run by um, Honey Grant Egmont which is also for YA, unpublished YA manuscripts. Um, Just because I thought um, I hadn't published, I hadn't even published a short story before. I'd published nothing and I had no sort of, Nothing to make me stand out on a slush pile. Um, I To get an agent is quite difficult in Australia, or there's just not that many agents. So I thought, you know, my best option is to try and get noticed through a prize. And so I was kind of hoping... The best I was hoping for was maybe to be shortlisted, and I know if you get shortlisted, you can sometimes get published, or other publishers will notice, or an agent might notice, or it's you know it's something to have. Um, so that's what I was always I was always working towards and um, hoping to enter the text prize, um, and I wasn't sure if it was ready or not. I thought, oh maybe I'll wait another year, uh, but then I and I ummed and ahed and I sent it in at the very last. Send it in an express post because you've got to send a a um, printed, like, hard copy. So I sent it on the very last day possible. Um, and I was still umming and ahhing when I was at the post box, holding it, like, do I enter? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and then I just, I don't know why, because, like... So what if you enter and it doesn't go anywhere? But – and so then I entered and, yeah, then I just tried not to think about it for a while. Um, But I work for reading, so I actually have sort of interaction on a professional level with um, various people at text. And I was at a book conference for work. And I was, to, I was at their um, – I was just talking to some of the staff there at their um, trade show about some of their books and um, someone mentioned t- to me, oh, we, we loved your entry into the text prize, and I basically had a heart attack. I was like, oh, oh. God, because I just <laughs> – I didn't – like, I don't know, I just didn't – I didn't want them uh, – you know, I didn't want to merge my, like, writer person and my professional life and I just – freaked out anyway <laughs> um and then but I did think oh, okay well they mentioned it so maybe that's a good sign and then I got a call saying you've been shortlisted which was really exciting um and then it wasn't that long after that I got a call from my editor Jane saying you've won the prize and, which was really exciting and then they announced it to the public through a party a text prize party, um, which is nice. So you get to go to the party and you – only you and, like, a couple of – you know, I told my partner and my parents came. um, And they were the only people that knew that I was the winner. So then you get to sort of – it's announced on the night and you get to make a little speech and it's all very exciting. It's kind of better that you know before you go. Otherwise –
1: you, I just imagine if it was me, I, I just wouldn't be able to enjoy the night because I'd be so anxious oh, about right.
2: the outcome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was really nervous anyway. I was. I'm, I'm. not actually a nervous public speaker normally, but that night I was so nervous. Um, and I was. I just couldn't. I was just nervous the whole night, and then I remember, oh, my hands were shaking as I gave the speech, and it was just terribly nerve wracking, but um, but exciting. It was really lovely. I think you found
1: a very good home in text, though, because they tend to produce a lot of novels like this and a lot of contemporary stories. Like, it feels like such a
2: good fit for the text brand. Yeah, well, I wasn't sure. I thought, oh, God, I'm not literary enough for text. You know, my editor, she edits Helen Garner, and (laughs) I always was like, oh, God, am I – I I don't know. I just thought, is this – a book that they will enjoy but they have been amazing and you know you mentioned bookstagram before and they just put together the most um effective kind of marketing campaign using bookstagrammers and really getting it everywhere on social media in a way that i think um is really hard to do and i think a lot of um uh I haven't seen it done so well before and, like, I can say this because I had nothing to do with that (laughs) kind of the marketing (laughs) side of it. So it's all text. They did it so well and I was just so impressed with um, how they got it out on social media. And I know a lot of people sort of say, does Bookstagram sell any books? And a lot of authors sort of say social media is pointless, but I I saw people like in the comments saying I'm going to buy this book or I bought this book because I saw it on bookstagram and I had people say that to me at various events. Like I saw it on Instagram. Um, And so I've just been sort of really excited about how that has sort of helped drive sales.
1: Oh, that's so wonderful. I mean, we always bang on about how much we love the Love Oswey A campaign but I think it is genuinely—it's a—it's a small, bookish community. Yeah. I think both of us know a lot of people. Like you see a lot of the same faces, and it is small compared to say the American market. So mm. it does actually make a difference, and it's nice to hear that from an
0: author perspective as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is, and I would say you know I'm anyone who's remotely involved in this community I think has seen this book on Instagram Mm -hmm. it was everywhere and it just it was amazing because it just showed up all of a sudden and I was like this looks right up my alley. I, know, I, was I was like,
1: we're going to love this. And, you know, anyone who's listened to this podcast for any amount of time will not be surprised that we loved this book or that we're talking to you. Like, they will see this and be like, oh, yes, of course they've loved this book. <laughs> it
0: makes it person.
1: Like, contemporary, mental health issues, self-confidence issues. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's us. Like, we love that stuff. <laughs>
0: we just, oh, God, we both just read the book so so quickly it was great um but I do want to ask you a bit more about you know like after you'd won the prize and everything how did you find the publishing process
2: um well so then I won the
0: prize in
2: April 2018 Mm -hmm. and then it was sort of decided well the book's not coming out to August 2019 so that's a really – I was like, this is a really long time. And they sort of said, we're not going – we're just going to put it aside. We won't even do the editing until November 2018. So it was basically I felt like, you know, like we're not going to talk about it that much between then and there. And But then in randomly about a month after I won the prize, I got an email saying um, uh, we have sold Italian rights. And I was like, oh, my God. I had no idea <laughs> – I just hadn't even occurred to me that, like, obviously I know the books can sell internationally, but I thought, oh, this is, n- this is not a book that's going to sell overseas. Like, it's a little story about four teenagers in Melbourne. Uh, at that point, I was still giving my pitch of nothing happens. Um, <laughs> so, and I was just like, no one, this book is going to be so hard to market. No one will ever want to buy it. Um And, yeah, so they emailed me and were like, we've sold the Italian rights. I was like, I cannot believe someone in Italy is interested in reading my little book about, (laughs) um, yes, teenagers in Melbourne. Um, And then they sold, um, I'm trying to remember what happened next, then they sold um, uh, German and French and German rights as well. And it was just this really exciting time of selling these rights. where – but I, uh, the, and then they sold the US rights. And so it was really – that all happened over about a month, um, you know, I think May 2018. It was just so exciting and oh, so unexpected. Wow. Yeah, and such a fun sort of um, part of the process. So that was definitely a highlight because it was just, like, unbelievable to me that all these other publishers overseas were interested in it and that they were going to be – it was going to be translated and it just – was like a dream come true so that was sort of a highlight and then um then we did the edit in November and it was I took in comments from they sort of took in comments from the US editor um mm-hmm. and then I worked with Jane my editor here and um then yeah it was a really such a positive experience like I can't speak highly enough about the marketing campaign they did because the text really got it out to booksellers really really early because um they knew it's the kind of book you have to read i guess to to really like you know it doesn't have a big exciting hook it's it um so they wanted to get everyone reading it really early so i went to some book conferences they send it out to lots of booksellers and Booksellers have just given it the most amazing support. And so that was the other sort of highlight of the publishing process is getting that support from booksellers and talking to booksellers about it ahead of time and just feeling really supported by the bookselling community. So that meant a lot, obviously, because I'm a bookseller as well. I work for readings. It really it meant a lot to, to be on the other side and to be an author and, and see, feel really supported. Um, by the sort of Australian bookselling community. Um, Yeah, and then everything really went smoothly and I love the cover design and um, it's all been an incredibly positive experience. Yeah, wonderful. Um, Other is great. I just want
0: to throw that in there.
1: Um, Do you mind elaborating a little bit more on what it's like to go from, you know, working behind the scenes with readings um, to then being the author who's promoted in all
2: the reading stores. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's very – I'm not going to lie. It is uh, it is a – it. I like I have a lot of privileges coming into this and one of them is um, working at readings, which is – you know, readings is a powerful kind of indie in the market and having them – um already know who I am and support the book is really great and they've done such a great job in promoting it but um, it was um, well, it's, it was it was wonderful going to be an author and to get to experience sort of the other side of things um, and it really makes you realize how much little things can mean to an author um, because you know people make a comment people even people taking the time to read the book is Amazing and generous because I know how many books are coming, you know, hundreds of books are coming through every month, um, competing for shelf space, competing for attention. I know how many um, advanced copies were coming into readings and how, like, how, how much publishers, you know, were wanting you to read their books ahead of time. And you can't read everyone's and you can't give that extra attention to every book. So, every bookseller that did take the time to read my book and to give it that extra attention. I just was so grateful and I just yeah, had such a positive experience um, just from hearing from booksellers and I, I just really enjoyed seeing it from the other side. But it was scary as well, I thought, because before I worked for Readings, I actually worked for a publisher. I worked for Black Ink, which is an independent publisher in Melbourne, um, yes. and so I thought, I thought I knew a lot about, You know, and I do know a lot about the industry, but you're still (laughs) coming in as an author. Suddenly, it's like, actually, I've never been edited before, so I know nothing about the editorial side of things. And um, it's one thing to, you know, see an author stand up and give a talk, um, but then when you actually have to be the person who stands up and gives a talk, suddenly you feel like, oh God, I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) Like yeah, <laughs> all these things, and yeah, the right sales. I was like, I was vaguely aware of right sales, but mm, I didn't actually think I, you know, when you get to the nitty gritty of it, you think, oh, this is all fresh and new and exciting, so and terrifying. So, yeah. yeah,
0: well, I guess it is kind of like, you know, it's like a new job. You were learning all of the things that come with being an author rather than yes, things exactly. that you've been doing in your previous yeah. books, even though it's in the same industry, it's
2: mm, like exactly a different
0: a different job that's exactly right and now you
1: share an editor with helen garner like that (laughs) must be amazing i
0: know i I knew you you would
2: i knew you would hold on to that michelle (laughs) i'd drop that um fact wherever i can because i mean so you should
0: yeah Yeah, that is impressive yeah (laughs) Uh. oh goodness um so at the same time as you were publishing your first novel, you were also pregnant um, yes. and had your first child. <laughs> yeah. so, so now um, are you working on a new project and looking after your baby? Like what are some of the challenges there? And oh, goodness, being a mother must so have changed many. everything. <laughs> um,
2: it's definitely not – I do not recommend it as a the first book and first baby kind of thing to do together, you know. <laughs> um well I got I got pregnant in August 2018 so I was doing the edits when I was pregnant and um I hated pregnancy I really hated it um god I could I could do a whole separate podcast on pregnancy so I'm not gonna (laughs) gonna go down that path (laughs) but I I did not enjoy it um and because I had this vision of, like, I'm still going to be able to work, you know, be who I was. I'm not going to let pregnancy slow me down. Uh, I'm still going to be fit and I'm going to still come home from work and um, write, keep trying to write um, another book. And um, I'm going to, you know, still do everything I was doing before. And that, of course, did not happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I was just so sick and so tired, and just like dragging yourself home and going straight to bed. And um, I did not exercise at all. I don't think I ate a vegetable for the first two trimesters. So um, I <laughs> I was just doing nothing that I thought I was going to do, and it was like a switch had been turned off in my brain around being creative. Like I just couldn't write at all. Um, so doing even doing the edits was hard, but but manageable. But um, the thought of writing something new, I just I couldn't do it. So um, I did no writing at all during my pregnancy. and So I had this vision that I was going to have the second book written before my first book came out because I had such a long, you know, time I had, like, a year and a half between getting my publishing contract and the book coming out. And I thought, you know, you want to get that second book written before your book comes out and you start, you know, reviews start getting in your head and, you you know, maybe you're a massive failure. You you just want to be able to write in that kind of clear, safe space before you are a public author with a book that people have perceptions around that you then sort of – you take on those perceptions and it sort of comes into your writing but that didn't happen at all because I couldn't write when I was pregnant so um then and then I had my daughter and um in May and the book came out in August and that also presented some challenges of just um, being really sleep deprived while doing <laughs> promotion yeah. and publicity really oh. and always having to be like think you know something simple that's like you've got some events in sydney um and you know before that you're know, flying from melbourne to sydney simple but now it's like okay i've got to fly with the baby and my partner's got to come and oh we can't get a normal cab we have to get a baby taxi because a baby needs to be in you know we need a taxi that has a um a car seat for a baby and um who's going to look after her while I'm doing my talk and when am I going to fit in, you know, I've got to feed her and just there's so many factors. So it suddenly becomes this, everything becomes like a big logistical challenge. Um, But, you know, I'm also extremely lucky because the two best things that have happened in my life, which is having a baby and publishing a book, have happened all at the same time. So
0: it's been a a big
2: happy year. Yeah. Um, but also the fact they're happening at the same time is quite challenging.
1: Yeah, like yeah, if you, if I you mean, could plan it,
2: maybe not do it that way. <laughs> definitely don't do it. Yeah, yeah. If anyone out there is
0: like, mm, I'm going to plan this, and, um,
2: don't do it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so are you working on a new project on your second yes, book Yes, so now? I
2: am. As soon as I sort of – now that the pregnancy's over um, – I I feel, apart from being sleep-deprived, I feel like the creativity switch kind of came back on. It was really kind of bizarre, um, but I feel like I can write now. It's just finding the time and um, getting enough sleep to be functional. Um, but I have started trying to work on um, something now. In fact, you can probably hear, sorry, my, I can just hear my baby crying now. <laughs> I hope you can't hear her. No, <laughs> her that's no. all right. She's perfect. perfect. We,
0: won't,
1: we, won't, we won't keep you for too much longer.
0: <laughs> um, um, I guess apart from, you know, having your beautiful daughter, has since like you won the text prize for your debut, has that impacted how you felt about writing your second book? Um, not
2: so much. It's more, you do sort of, I had like multiple ideas of what I could do for the next book. And it's sort of like, what I try not to one part of me because I do work in marketing um, for reading. So a part of me is like, if I take all the Forget being an author and I just look at it from a pure sales perspective. Like, what would be the best thing to work on this? Like, you can't approach writing that way. <laughs> um, no. So you've got to try not to get it in your head around. Yeah, and and people do say to you, oh, this is what I want to see from you next or I'd love this or um, – and so you get – it's easy to kind of get – swayed in one direction or another and and because i have a baby and time is so limited i i'm i'm really fearful around like i don't want to waste time i don't want to work on the wrong thing and um where before it didn't feel like the stakes just feel higher now um just in general because of you know now you i've got a book in the world and so people actually
0: care now know you I as an author yeah,
2: yeah exactly before no one cared at all if I what I wrote or what I <laughs> if I was ever going to finish anything or what and but now it's sort of like I, I if you want to have a career you've got to um think about what you're going to do next and um yeah it's it can be scary so I've got to I'm trying to keep it trying to approach it without letting all of that get into my head
0: goodness well good luck with that um (laughs) I don't know how you can manage that but I'm sure you will figure it out
2: (laughs) well the best way is being sleep deprived because you just can't keep that many thoughts in your head so it's like great
0: yeah maybe it's a blessing in disguise
2: (laughs) I can't overthink anything
0: (laughs) oh goodness
1: Um, So, to finish, we'd love to hear about the books that influenced you and um, any books that you recommend if people enjoyed It Sounded Better in My Head. What should they read
2: next? Um, The books that influenced me, I – I read pretty widely and so I would say like all there's, I mean, there's so many wonderful um, Australian YA books from going right back from when I was a teenager reading um, Looking for Ella Brandy through to, you know, current day with Kath Crowley and Fiona Wood, Emily Gale, um, Claire Christian, Erin uh, Goff, all of those sort of, I guess, women contemporary YA writers, uh, the people that are influencing me or setting the standard that I was trying to work towards, Um, and – Sorry, what was the other part of your question? Yeah. <laughs> if you <people> enjoyed it, <laughs> sounded better. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: What should they read next? <laughs> um, I
2: think uh, there's been a few really good debuts come out this year that kind of hit similar themes. Um, Jenna, and I'm not sure how to say her surname. Her book, oh, um, what I like about me. Yeah, yes,
1: yes. yes. We um, we interviewed Jenna and absolutely definitely recommend what I like about me, if you enjoyed it, sounded better in my head or vice versa. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I feel like they both kind of have that summer rom-com elements and they hit sort of similar, like they're complementary to each other in a nice way. Um, yeah. I, I know there's a few other kind of um, – rom y YA books that have been out this year from Australian authors. I haven't had the chance to read. My reading got derailed by the baby. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, and now I've forgotten the title. Um, the um, Alice Dyson. I, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the title that's and the okay. author. But it, there are a bunch um, out there, and um, um, my favourite of recent years is Amelia Westlake. I think that's such a fun rom-com.
1: Yes, I've um I've not had the chance to read that yet, but I have heard amazing things.
2: Amazing things. Yes, it's wonderful. It's so wonderful.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate
2: it. Um Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> where can people follow you online? Uh I'm on Twitter, but I don't tweet very much. Um under At Nina Kenwood, and I'm also on Instagram at Nina Kenwood. Um, And yeah, I'm not. I'm occasionally active, uh, depending on how much time I have. With how much time you're very busy.
1: (laughs) No, that's totally understandable. Thank
2: you so much. Um, Thank you so much for having me.
0: Nina, how do you? Nina have you seen any of the international editions yet have they got covers um, or They
2: sent me yes so the US one has a cover a different cover and they sent me uh-huh. the down they sent me the advance the arc the um Oh yeah which, and which is paperback, but it's coming out in hardback in April.
0: So, Ooh, fancy. Um,
2: yeah. And so I like it. It's like a blue cover. It's on my Instagram, actually. I posted it. Oh, so, I'll have to double uh, check. Like I love it. It's a the blue cover. Covers. It's nice. And then the Italian edition is being published uh, now. I think it's just been published in October, and I'm waiting on the copies that they're sending of that. Um, but that has a really cute cover. So, yeah, oh, I'll post cool. a picture of the cover when I, <gasps> when I when get you've the got copies. it. Yeah, I'll have yeah. to
0: keep an eye out. I just love seeing all the different covers and different yeah, translations. Yeah, I know.
2: It's so, it's so weird. And the Italians just, they changed the title. Um, oh, just, okay. It didn't make sense just... in Italian apparently. So um,
0: it's <laughs> I called... don't know Italian. So... <laughs> no. It's called <laughs>
2: um, Love How I Imagined It in Italian, which is really nice. Oh, oh I love, I love that. that. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: know. Because it can be like, I love how I imagined that or – that's love. How I imagine.
2: Yeah. That's so clever. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really Ooh, nice. I mean, like I had that. no say in that text. We're just like, oh, by the way, the Italians have changed the title. It's this. Yeah. Like, Great.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I know. You know. The Translations the title, are hasn't? interesting, yeah.
2: but yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: Oh, All wonderful. right. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. I'm sure we thank will you so much. see you online. And um, yes. thank you so much for giving up Thanks your Thank nice Thanks so talk much for us. having me.
0: bye bye thank you
1: thanks for listening to this week's episode of better words if you enjoyed it we'd love it if you left a rating or review on itunes it really would mean the world to us
0: and you can also find us at our website betterwordspodcast.com and on social media at betterwordspod on facebook instagram and twitter bye bye